When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. What's important to you and why? Have you ever reflected on what your values are why you have them and how they guide your way of life? Mandeep Rai has spent a lifetime studying values. She is the author of The Values Compass and has been celebrated by leaders ranging from Fortune CEOs to Nobel laureates. The Dalai Lama described her work as taking us into the hearts, minds and traditions of the cultures and people of the world, demonstrating how interconnected we are. In this conversation, we dive into the deep and profound work of understanding and embracing our core values as an important part of living our true selves and creating our ideal way of life. When you've done this kind of values-based thinking and decided what's most important to you right at the forefront, then every time you're making a decision, it's just so much easier to make. You're not having to question, you're not having to tussle, you're not having to pull it apart. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wiser Conversations, Together at Home. My name is Derek Handley. I'm an entrepreneur, an investor, a teacher, and a student. Each episode, I sit down live with an amazing thinker, an author, an artist, a religious or spiritual leader. We have a conversation to reflect on our lives and the world around us in these very surreal times. With all the uncertainty, there is no better moment than now to reflect on what matters to us and who we wish to become as we see out this pandemic. Welcome. This conversation took place with a live online audience of tens of thousands around the world. Sign up at wiserconversations.org to participate live in the future. What is a value versus a principle or a belief? Like help us frame for this chat. Well, what are values? Thank you, Derek, for having me here. Um, I'm super excited too. I love the fact that I'm talking to the summer and the sunshine <laughs> in the morning, the polar opposite of where I'm sitting. Um, I think it's raining in London right now, as usual, and it is dark. So um, I just feel like you're a ray of sunshine into my life. So thank you. Oh, that's so kind. <laughs> there is a huge difference between values and beliefs. Values unite, beliefs can divide. So that would be my first very um, bold answer right off the bat. A value is something that you really, that really matters to you. It's really what you value, what you think is important. And each and every person has their own, own version of that, their own definition of that, their own expression of that. And my book, The Values Compass, is all about you, the reader. What is it that's important to you? How can we how can we make sure we have captured the essence of that? And then how could your life reflect that? Because that is what will lead to a more successful, fulfilling and happy life, as the Dalai Lama said. So if I say I value honesty, let's say, um, How is that different from me saying, I believe in honesty? So often you won't necessarily know the difference until for you, honesty has been violated or you've been lied to. So let's say, for example, within your relationship, you're lied to, or at work, you're lied to, or in any context, 
you experience a bare-faced lie, which you know is a lie, if it really mattered to you, as in if lying is really out of your sphere of acceptable, then you might walk out of that relationship or walk out of that organization or walk out of that situation. And it might be, it might get you to a point where you don't want to go there again. People didn't really, people don't know what they value until, or some people don't know what they value until it's stepped upon. And then, you know, you feel it in your gut. It's guttural. You can't, there's no escaping it. There's no hiding it. There's no justifying or explaining. It's just there and you know it's important to you. So you will know. <laughs> right. So versus a belief might be something that, what is just conceptual? Beliefs can be built over time. Beliefs um, can be shattered. Beliefs can, um, we can, we can hold on to beliefs, but they can also be changed. So if, if I give you an example of Republicans and Democrats, for example, they would say that they believe in totally different philosophies or ideologies or on the, they're on completely different ends of the spectrum. But if I ask, and we have, we've literally asked this question to thousands and thousands of people and run an experiment, and we asked each of those camps, what are your values or what do you think is important or what do you value? Actually, out of their 10 top values, nine were the same. Because really what's important to us often doesn't differ very much. And as soon as you go into this land of values, you find that you can... Um, understand others more easily. Um, and that I think uh, that I think really is the difference that when you're with beliefs, it's harder to put yourself in other people's shoes with values, you can easily take yourself there. I'm becoming super excited because as we're talking, the participant number is growing and people are commenting on the chat and it's lovely to see people join from places like Melbourne and other places. So uh, I'm excited to start exploring your part of the world. Oh, and questions are already coming in. How interesting. This is great. Um, if its values are so fascinating and important to us as per your book, um, why have, like in my personal experience, most people, and maybe yours too, most people have never actually articulated or written them down. So they may be subconscious or they may be, they may be confused or there's just a whole array of possibilities. But I think if you walk down the streets and you ask 99 or 100 people, 90 or more would never have actually gone through the deep work and the process of actually articulating, defining, writing them down. And then the hardest part, which I find for myself, ranking them. What's going on? Why, if they're so important, have we missed a step? in society or in education or in the workplace on this vital piece of our compass? Great question. I agree with you that it's not spoken about. Um, and I totally agree with you that it's kind of operating in our subconscious. Now, how would you get to the point that you're speaking about them? Well, it has to be introduced to you as something, as a topic or, you know, someone has to introduce that whole philosophy, the whole idea. And, as with so many things in life, we play almost sometimes at the superficial level or at the surface level, and we don't necessarily get to the bottom of the iceberg, you know, and we don't delve into what's really important. There are many reasons for this. Sometimes we can't, we can't stomach it. We don't want to go there. It's easier to numb yourself or to deal with the day-to-day -day, um, emergencies or you know, to be in the kind of drama of things rather than to really get deep. But what I have found that it doesn't take very much, as in it takes a very deliberate conversation, and it's definitely a process. Um, but in my book, I can take you through it within 20, 30 minutes. And a few powerful conversations with people who know you well, and the process is done. And then you're in a place of so much greater strength and power, such that the micro and macro decisions that are making your life, when you've done this kind of values-based thinking and decided what's most important to you right at the forefront, then every time you're making a decision, it's just so much easier to make. 
You're not having to question, you're not having to tussle, you're not having to pull it apart. Mm. Because often what we're doing is putting, we're often putting too many things as equally important. Right. But what I found is that you can have everything, but not necessarily all at the same I time. Love that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can have it all, but not at the same time, which is where if you've got this big laundry list of values, it becomes it's not in a, it's not not useful it is but it can be like well which one when it comes push comes to shove which one stands up and you know rises above the others i think that's a fascinating challenge um you know in your book you start talking about a story between yourself and your your mum and one of the other things i think is interesting that i'd love to hear from you about is people who are living other people's values and how do they get in those situations? And how do they recognize when, hang on, these values that I'm kind of living by or that I'm being surrounded by or you know, nurtured through, they're not mine, they're someone else's. Um, what's that about? And, and, and teach me and tell me about your own experience with that. Um, so when you're growing up, like your first 18 years, of course, your values are being shaped. You know, a part of this is nurture. So there are there are certain things that are important to you and you almost can't explain why. And part of this is nurture. Um, and so we are adopting our values. Sometimes they're coming from our family and at some point you'll question or you'll think, sometimes we just reject everything that's given to us. There's always, there's always that, that phase that you know well or that everybody knows well where it doesn't really matter how much sense it might make, you are just going to reject it because someone else gave it to you. And sometimes it takes, I think what I'm encouraging is that once you've come out of those years, as in once you've become 18, you have enough wherewithal to be able to choose your values thereafter. Um, and when you're when if you haven't made that action, that kind of deliberate act of choosing them, then you can indeed, as you say, be living someone else's values. You could be living through your parents' values, through you know your religious affiliation. If you're a churchgoer, or if you're whatever you are, you could be living those values you could be living the values of social media of just mm. the kind of clan or the environment that surrounds you mm. whoever whatever society you most interact with inevitably those values do seep in so it really does take something to take a step out of that all and question yourself and question one what you're doing or what you're suggesting is important and even more importantly, what do you wish you were doing? Like, what, where are your aspirations and are your values reflecting that? Does your time reflect right, that? Right, that point. Let's just stop there because I think it's um, really, really interesting. So let's say we're in a social media vortex or we're in, a, we're in a, a new group of people that we're starting to hang out more with or we've joined a company and all of a sudden their values are starting to shape or, or mould us. Um, or it might be you started reading something and certain, certainly. So what, what is a way for us to think about checking in, like, hang on, am I starting to chameleon kind of like, like into this without realizing that all of a sudden I'm thinking and speaking and behaving in this way, but actually it's not a conscious thing. Sometimes it could be good. Sometimes it could be bad, but what's maybe a, a way for us to consistently, you know, regularly check in going, hang on, am I, are these mine or are these others? And how do I separate that? What's some things that you think we could be doing in that space? Well, I think that once you, that I encourage to do that you to do this process regularly. I encourage you to set a time frame and to say, okay, I'm going to check in with myself in terms of what's important to me now. And when I've met such and such goal or after this certain period, like it could be, you know, while I'm looking after my sick mother, this is, these are the things, this is what I'm going to value and this is how I'm going to prioritize it. Or I will review this again when I get the next promotion or whatever it be, whatever your circumstance be, to give it a time frame. And really it doesn't, again, it doesn't take much, but it's important to do that once that time frame is over, it could be six months, it could be a week, it could be a decade, it doesn't matter what it is, to then review it. Now, what I find in social media particularly 
is that this is important because we can, whatever expression we have given, let's say you have decided that you like, I'm just going to give you a very flippant example. You like rainbows. Immediately, there an, an algorithm is able to, you know, note that you like rainbows and start showing, exposing you to more and more rainbow type, you know, people, other people who like rainbows, clubs of rainbows, the, the, those that are tweeting about rainbows, those that um, the kind of foundations and institutions that have been created. And before you know it, you are edging closer and closer and closer to that interest or like or conversation or, you know, you're, you're kind of, if you were left, you're becoming more left. And if you were, mm-hmm. and, you know, and as that gradient becomes steeper and steeper, because very quickly you find that you're learning words or being put into a camp that you didn't even know about yesterday or the day before. Um, as you get sucked into a particular, into a particular world, it's really important to think, um, to kind of, be aware, is, did this exist in my life five days ago or before? And is this serving me? Is this, and that's where I think having that values-based conversation with yourself right from the get-go mm. is really important because then you can assess, is this, is mm. this helpful? That's really interesting. I like it how it's two parts because did this exist in my life five days ago or five months ago or a year ago? helps you kind of articulate, is this an evolution? Is it a change? Is there a gap between where you used to be and where you are now? And then the second part being, does this serve me? It's like, is this something I want more of in my life? Is this something when I step back and really think about it, instead of being in it, I can make a conscious decision that I actually do want this. I do want more rainbows, or actually I don't want any rainbows or I want less rainbows. I think those two parts of that question is, are really great um, to help you make that distinction. And the more we spend time on social media, which I think a lot of us are spending less time, if we can help it, the more those questions are important. I think more and more people are aware that what we're being shown is that vortex and it just gets tighter and tighter like a screw. The more you click rainbows, the more you're served up rainbows, the more you're told you love rainbows. So it's more important now than ever, I would, I guess, that first of all, we can somehow become clear what our values are and not the others that are surrounding us. And secondly, that we can evolve them, right? And I think that's interesting because before social media, we used to think it was brands and advertising that was the ones that were the ones that were trying to change our brains and change our minds. And now it's kind of this hodgepodge of everything, brands, content, media companies, other people, influencers, and it's just so many so much more complex and um, I guess it's almost like nuanced. it's nuanced it's very, and it's like yeah. trickery. It's like, Oh, what, what's real, what's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah and absolutely. it's, it's and very I didn't strange. Use rainbows flippantly either. As in it sounds flippant. I could have used unicorns, but I find myself, I haven't looked up rainbows on social media. But <laughs> I, I am surrounded by rainbows, you know, because ra- rainbows here resemble the NHS or, mm. a, or they're a symbol of hope. And suddenly the zebra crossing is a rainbow. Uh, we've painted the side of the house as a rainbow, as in we were encouraged to put rainbows in the window, you know, to, to say that we support the NHS. And right. before you knew it, it's, it's like movements and things becoming viral or things catching mm. on and things being global and having this kind of ripple effect so quickly mm. also is coming out of the blue we're just so interconnected um and it happens so fast that before you know it someone else's either issue or mistake or situation is yours Mm. yeah it's super interesting i think all the things that are going on right now are surfacing uh real questions of of your own values and i think one of those things is this explosion of um uh, what would you call it? I guess on one hand, you'd call it political correctness. And on the other hand, it'd be like freedom of speech or the ability to say what you think. And, and I think that's something that's really becoming, I think for a lot of people, anxiety inducing, because in certain conversations, it's more frightening to say something that isn't what's being said uh, than it would have been before. And so you start judging yourself, well, 
well, if I think that, does it mean that I don't support Black Lives Matter or that I don't support, um, you know, this, this minority community? Well, actually, I don't even feel like I can say something because I'm wondering maybe I'll get attacked. And then you start questioning, well, what do I value more? Do I value the ability to say something? Do I value the ability to support? Or do I value the ability to be curious and be able to hold two opposing ideas? And all of these things seem quite under a lot of pressure at the moment, which would, again, underscore we really have to get clear on what we value. So there's already a bunch of questions on that. It's the, it's the as you say, it's easy if you spend a few hours. I think it's hard. People don't consciously have this thing like, oh, yeah, that's what I've got to do. And we don't teach people to do it. You don't get taught it at school. You don't get asked it at university. You don't really even get asked it when you go for a job because they tell you what values they want you to subscribe to. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, I know everyone should buy your book because you help them anyway, but let's talk about how you can go about developing your own set. Oh, you've already got them. How you can go about articulating your own set of values. Okay. Can I answer that question by doing a little dive into New Zealand? Since sure. Okay. So I am going to literally directly read out to the book right now. Okay. So you don't usually expect to find a national celebrity walking casually down the street, much less doing so barefoot. Yet, that is exactly how I once encountered the New Zealand film director, Peter Jackson, walking through Wellington without any shoes on. In most cities, this would be madness. The combination of discarded cigarettes, cigarette butts, chewing gum and broken glass would make the idea a non-starter. But in New Zealand, some of the streets are spotless, part of the national culture that puts the outdoors and the environment first and the natural environment first. Now I kind of go into, I do a deep dive as to what does the environment and nature mean in New Zealand. And I give you lots of examples of how I've seen it supported, backed up, really like held. Um, and I think the rest of the world learns a lot from New Zealand. So your question, your, I, I want to address your question, but I wanted to address it kind of sharing like, for example, your the slogan, green and clean, you know, that they're, they're like, how inspired I have been for many years by what I saw in New Zealand and continue to be. And I think actually um, many of us, that this has become almost a, a fact. Like, of course, we need to look after the environment. Of course, the outdoors matters. Um, you know, my, my children will say, Mama, how can you bring anything plastic home? And what you find is that the next generation are so much clearer about their values. So what I'm what I'm doing at home, for example, we are I work on lots of different levels. So I work at um, an educational, like values based education. I work with companies um, in order for them not just to say what their values are, but also to think about how they're recruiting, to think about how people can bring 80, 90, 100% of themselves to work rather than only mm -hmm. the parts that are wanted um, or that fit their values, how, um, uh, how families can be value-centered and how individuals can fulfill this part of themselves. So if I go to your question of how can we kind of incorporate this in our lives, given the fact that we're not taught it or this conversation doesn't happen, well, we're doing a really kind of, con um, you know, concentrated effort so that this fundamental conversation that is actually the building blocks to all the decisions that you take mm. is looked at and addressed. We've mm. just um, created the V20 based on, on the G20. So, you know, all the countries that are part of the G20, it was just yeah. held in Saudi Arabia this month. Um, and alongside that, we created the V20, which will then move over to um, Italy next year and then to India. And this conversation, it's not just a conversation. These like actions, these bodies, these these experts, everyone, there's a concerted effort that this vernacular really be spread through all parts of this, of our society. So, so what is the V20? Like, what do you mean by that? The values 20. So we've looked at 
how do different what what do different cultures what would you wish to value so for example a country like singapore actively looks at and talks to its population about what do you think is important and how can we make sure that our government or that the way our country is run reflects that mm. for example so i think that i mean i literally work at national level corporate mm-hmm. level a school level and and family level and this the conversation of values is can, should take place in all those, all those kind of levels. onion layers of society so we have a question around school, school level, how do you make it, how can we make it explicit? How can we maintain and initiate explicit conversations and awareness around values for young people? So in schools and a learning context, have you seen that being embedded? Is it part of your work? What could we be doing in New Zealand, for example? Yes, I work with schools in order to just as you just as you would identify your own core values, you know, the process that I that I spoke about in the book. Similarly, if you're a school, for example, you can decide what you stand for. What are the values like a good quality of education is a given. That's what schools should be doing anyway. Right. They're schools. But to give you a to give to stand for particular values is what distinguishes one type of education over another. So let's say, for example, te- you've decided as a school that teamwork is really important. It's not just something that you say because it's the right thing to say, but when a game is played, and it doesn't matter what game, you talk about you you kind of praise the team players. You encourage it. You say you award that behavior. And you you um, make sure that it's in your conversations whenever you're giving a prize out or when you're um, highlighting a student or, you know, for the student that helped the other member of his class because he's a team player or the student that, you know, shook hands first because actually it wasn't about who won or who, who wins or loses because, of it, you know, so it's mm. like. When you when you decide these are our core values, then you make sure you highlight them in lots of different ways. So, for example, a company can equally do this. If you've decided originality or innovation or whatever whatever it be is important, then you almost recruit people with that in mind, and you reward. You can you you can reward kind of you know in terms of a bonus or a salary, but you can also reward as in again highlight those members of staff that are that are really able to uphold the values that are important. Mm. If it's putting customers first, then you wouldn't punish the, the, the staff member that took extra time on the phone because he cared for that customer. You would in fact reward that, that staff member because you've mm. said customers come first, mm. for example. And going down a, a layer, let's say from the school to mm. The individual, so the students, the kids. What um, what's the work that you've seen, or what work could be done to help people, uh, young people, work through, you know, and get get clear on one or two values that they might hold personally? Have you seen that kind of thing take place? Yes. So um, I had just alluded to this right at the beginning. I said that in in, for example, at home we hold these values place classes for children who haven't even started school yet. So for children pre-kindergarten, you know, like two, three-year-olds. And um, and then these classes actually run uh, on, we live in a townhouse, we have floors, like it's a very narrow, <laughs> tall house. And so on every floor, we have different age groups. And the older children are teaching the younger children. And the way it works is that each week, a different value is chosen. So um, let's say, for example, the value of compassion or friendship or um, kindness, whatever it be. We, the children decide what that means to them. What does it look like? What doesn't it look like? How do you know when it isn't present? How can you, how would you make someone else feel this? or show, show them, like, you know, you show, don't tell. Um, and the children themselves, you don't actually, children get this innately almost. They, you don't have to say very much or do very much for them to then practice it or for them to know whether it's 
resonates with them or not. Now, I believe and I've seen that people are inherently have all of these values in them. It's not like anyone's born mean or mm-hmm. born not to be a friend or born, you know, it. all of these values are actually really easy to tap into, especially for children. And so then it just becomes a matter of, well, what do you focus on? So, for example, um, a child might decide to focus on excellence when they're around their exams, but in the summertime, they might decide to focus on fun. Mm-hmm. Both are both are important, but they just prioritize them differently. And so, so in your family, even you can have this conversation. You know, what are our family values, or what are our family values this summer? Interesting. Or what are our family values over this period of? So, for example, during a festive period or the mm-hmm. holiday period, like you know when Christmas is coming up, we deliberately are able to highlight service a little bit more because mm. you have time. It's cold outside. There's lots of people who don't have. So it, you can bring that up to the surface. And you find that when families have these conversations, amazing things happen. <laughs> That's fascinating because I've always thought that values are, you know, they're kind of like immovable. And what's really interesting is you're introducing an idea that's kind of like a rotating set. And I, I, I noticed in your book, one that, you know, made sense to me. It's like, okay, family, I have a young child. So and I think we've made this as a constitution of our family for 10 years or whatever it is. It's going to be quite a, a while while we've got a very young child that this becomes really paramount and that you could rotate that. Not, not that you're not going to deprioritize your family, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah. And yeah. okay, so after 10 years, you might have a slightly shifting sense of priorities and you can maybe be a little bit more self selfish or whatever in terms of focusing on yourself but I haven't ever thought of it in the way that you just thought of it, that within the course of a year, you might kind of float things in and out. And so how does that play with the idea that values are kind of these things that are unchanging and, you know, these are our values and we stick to them. And that's how you think. And that's how you hear most people speak about values. It's kind of like, this is us. It cannot change. And you've kind of turned that kind of concrete structure into more like a a, a flow of water where it just kind of comes in and out and you can move them. So, what makes you comfortable that that's okay? Like I thought values were, you know, right down the middle and you can't move them. Um, what's made me comfortable is that idea of time. So, you know, you, I did exactly the same thing when my family was born. If I had thought I'm going to have to be this dedicated for the rest of my life, I might've gone crazy. If I had thought, okay, the first five years that a child is born, like, you know, when they're, when they're, you know, their brains are, it's like neuroplasticity, right? All all these kind of connections are just being formed. They've really got to bond and connect with you so that they can then have sustainable, strong, um, steady relationships with others. Like the first five years, you know, it's kind of academically proven, but also scientifically proven and, you know, proven on lots of different levels are really important. So I was able to make that priority, that a priority. And just as you said, it doesn't mean that if I, if in their second set of five years or when they're, you know, 15 to 20, it doesn't mean that you aren't as you're, they're not important, but you might have a little bit of a liberty to put it at number two, because, you know, at number one, let's say you want to have more family experiences. You just, you know, it's less about, nurturing and really being it depends also how you define family and what you think is Mm. important for your family but it's not as hands-on as it is in the first five years Mm. for example and so I do think it's fluid I think that what's allowed me to make this fluid is the fact that there's time involved and you know of course what's important to you in your 20s might not be important to you in your 90s Mm. so for example I look at kind of mateship all right, mate, like that kind of mateship for Australia. And it's not that mateship is ever not important, but the way you practice it and how you prioritize it will be different at different stages of your life. Right. It would be, it would be a um, almost a lack of evolution, I think, if your priority list was exactly the same throughout every single stage of your life. Mm. I'm not saying that your values necessarily change, mm-hmm. 
but your but your priority list might change the way you mm. order them might change and it also changes according to your goals we have seen during this pandemic for example the values have shifted that people people are want you know want leaders that are compassionate want leaders mm. that are able to listen want leaders that react quickly want leaders that are agile and open and you know, you've, you've. I don't need to tell you. You're sitting in New Zealand. You know how we're kind of applauding your your prime minister mm. right now, and the reason people are applauding her are because she has shown her values again and again and again, and their values of like service, mm. their values of compassion, their values of listening. And I'm not, um, you know, I'm not an expert, but I do know that over the over the course of this pandemic female the female leaders and the country in the countries that are led by some of the women presidents and prime ministers have done really well mm. and there's something there about the values that they've chosen to uphold that has made the difference right let's say i uh let's say any any number of listeners uh are unclear okay i i, I value everything you know the long list of things that are good in the world i think they're all great but I, I need to get down to the ones that help me in my compass, as you said, which is really brilliant because my list of values, literally the ones I've written down, it's like 15. And then you kind of have to have a small group. But you said the compass only has four directions and that's why it's so useful, right? If it had 17 or 18 directions, it would be almost useless to, mm -hmm. unless, except to the absolute expert. So it seems like a really challenging exercise. You laid out some ways to do that. Mm -hmm. um, how do you make it simple for someone to go, okay, how do I get to three that are really important that I understand that I can use day to day? So I dare you to look at your list of 17, for example, that you have um, and look at where they overlap. Because I guarantee if you were to put them in clusters that you would find you could group them into mm. four or mm. three or five. You might group them even into seven. Then I would challenge you to have... Um, quite difficult conversations with yourself and those that are important to you. So you might find that, let's say, of the six or seven that are remaining once you've clustered them, you're, you're struggling and you're thinking, all of these are equally important to me. Mm. Um, but really, does the way you're spending your time suggest that? Mm. Or do you wish they were important and you want to make them more important, but they're not quite yet. Right. Or will they become important when some things in your life have changed? Or do you really need to make them important, like one or two, particularly right now, so that the others can then become important? So, for example, let's say, um, like right now, the world has made health the number one value, right? Globally, this is what we are all kind of living by, standing for. Um, have shaped our lives around because we're trying to protect health and and not become unhealthy, etc. Now, if you don't make health number one, not just at a time like this, but even at a time you're unhealthy, then sometimes your mind can be so foggy or you can become so unhealthy that actually you can't even focus on the other values. Mm. So you do have to make health number one until it's at a point where it is where health has become your backbone and your strength and you're able to focus on something else. So again, time is a really important aspect because even when you have those seven that we have now whittled it down to seven, when push comes to shove and I, you look at those clusters, normally you would find that one of those in that cluster, some of the values are leading to the re real core value that you stand for. Right. So First of all, you just basically sketch out the things that you think are your values. And there's lots of lists online. There's lots of places. And you basically, okay, these are my set. And then you kind of force yourself to shrink that set and then, and then use them, maybe cluster them and then start ranking them and saying, okay, actually, these are the top one or two. And then I, I have to figure them out. They may change over time. One thing that I think you mentioned just now, which is really interesting, is the difference between, well, Actually, and I, and it's, different, it's reflected in, in the countries, some of the countries you've chosen as well, where you've got all these different countries. But say, I say, said Scotland, South Africa, and Singapore, I thought it was really interesting. Scotland, you said, 
influence. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's about the past and the enlightenment and all the things that the Scottish culture has brought into society that maybe you don't know now, but all these things were invented by Scots people, whether they're the, the, the railways or the telephone, et cetera. And South Africa, forgiveness, which is an idea that was brought to the forefront um, with what they went through with Desmond Tutu and Mandela, but today is maybe quite far from being achieved, you know, across the, the country. And then Singapore, which I don't think anybody would ever argue, order, like that seems to them yesterday, today, tomorrow, order is there. So in Scotland, you've got this distant past, which doesn't seem to maybe reflect, if I meet a Scotsman today, I don't think of them as influences our core value. If I think of South Africa, forgiveness, instantly I can make the connection why that is a value, but I can also at the same time go, hang on, there's a disconnect between the aspiration and the reality. And in Singapore, where it feels to me 100% aligned, like that makes sense 10 years ago, today, and in 20 years. So there's this concept of, well, these are things I used to hold or I used to value or that represent me historically. There's this concept of this gap between, I want to want to embody this value. It's a, it's a journey that we're on with forgiveness. And there's the ones that are totally aligned. So that's an interesting perspective of things like, well, I want to be more on time and be punctual if that's a value, but I'm not. So how do you balance that equation? And what, how do they all you know, represent in this blend of your values where some are like, well, I'm really not that, but I really do value it. Yeah, really good question. Um, so firstly, just to go back to your last point about um, you can get a, a values list online or you can get a, I would encourage you to make your own values list. Like, you know, you can, you'll see 101 different values in my contents page, mm. but you should quickly, well, you would quickly be able to cross out 80, I think, mm. because 80 will be irrelevant to you. So when you go through the book, you really quickly are able to ascertain, actually, I'm really only talking about my 20 and I can whittle them down. It's not that you don't believe in or like the other ones. It's just that they're not the ones that are speaking to you. Exactly. They're not relevant to you right now, right now. They might be in the future and they might be. So let's take timekeeping, for example. I loved your example of what if punctuality is really important to me, but I'm just not punctual. So it's that's a really interesting question. Punctuality is really important to you. What, people being punctual? Or um, is it important to you when you're kept waiting? Or is it important to you because you know you don't want to disrespect another person and you don't want to keep them waiting? And if it's that you don't ever want to keep anyone waiting and you're, you really want to be punctual, then really is that a value if you are always consistently late i would i would i think what might be happening is the fact that actually you're valuing maybe maximizing your time rather than punctuality for so for example you're leaving foot to get somewhere for 220 you realize you're actually going to get there at 212 and you quickly decide you're going to detour to get a coffee. You're detouring to get a coffee because you want to make the most of your time and you're hoping you'll be just in time for that meeting. You're not actually valuing punctuality. It's not like you've left 15 minutes spare for any problems that might go, <laughs> go could crop up on, you know, in your journey. And come rain or shine, you want to make sure you're there on time. So you'd rather be there a little bit early to make sure you're there on time. Do you see what I'm saying? That there's something yeah, else. Yeah, it's maybe that you're not getting your finger right on the button of what it is you're actually saying versus what you are actually doing. Um, or but, you're lying to yourself. Like right, you could be lying to yourself. People that, um, you know, that say, oh, I'll be right there. Yeah. Um, I've just got to pop into the shower and, you know, and get ready, but I'll be there in like 15 minutes. And they're delusional, right? <laughs> they're, not, they're not going to be there in 15 minutes, but they just haven't grasped, grasped how long it takes them to do things. There is definitely that too. But there's there's that because they're not necessarily, like we sometimes say to ourselves, we're really valuing something, but we're not. We're not really valuing something. We're valuing something else before we value that. And therefore, we're consistent. I think the other thing you mentioned around time, is that a good way of checking how you 
um, are living up to your values, whether how you spend your time should somehow mirror and match your values. I think that if you think to yourself, what do you want? What would you wish that people were saying after you've passed? You know, what do you wish your grandchildren were saying about you or or the people that knew you? Or your eulogy. What, what do you what do you wish that were that was saying? Now, is it going to say what you wish it was saying if you didn't spend your time in that way? Mm. That's very far away, though. Well, it might not be, but for some of us, <laughs> we think it is. But it, 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 can you not also do that on a basic day to day, week to week, yeah. month to month? Like you say, you value fitness, exercise, health, and then you look at a month and you're like, well, I've spent less than one hour being healthy or fit. Is that a way to see the gap? Absolutely. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. Your time uh, is meant to reflect your values. And maybe your money too, or your other resources that you might have. Absolutely. I think I think time mm. is one of the most precious resources. Mm. But yes, your resources. There's do. a really great question uh, from Marion around the relationship between empathy and values. And you kind of touched on this with the American question, you, uh, American point you made around um earlier what 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 is this relationship between your values and having empathy it's hugely related because um value because when you understand your values you're able to understand another's values much just in going through this process of defining what's what your values are or what's important to you and how important it is, as in new prioritizing, will immediately mean that you're able to understand why perhaps others are what might have been in your view overreacting or underreacting or whatever in a in a previous situation. You will understand their situation, their point of view, or their you'll be able to walk in their shoes with greater clarity. You'll be able to hear them and to empathy. Is, is almost kind of the flip side or almost the um, the byproduct of, of values or understanding values. Mm. So going through the process and continuing to keep it alive helps you appreciate that other people go through a similar process, whether it's conscious or not, which helps them guide their decisions, which whether you agree with them or not, can at least help you understand where they're coming from. So it's a, it's a doorway into uh, the empathy gap that may exist between you and someone else however, however difficult it may be yes and and like you said it's not that you don't well, immediately your reaction was really interesting when i talked about the hundred and how you know 80 you knock 80 off you said oh but it's not that they're not important to me and that's actually the fact that's that's fact for humanity it's not that humanity doesn't think any of those values aren't important but they just prioritize them differently so you will naturally have a greater empathy. You'll naturally understand others better because they're just, you know, of those set of hundred that we're talking about, they're just prioritizing some that you've already thought about and you've already, you've already registered. And so that's mm. what is what kind of, in a, you build that muscle essentially mm. inside. Uh, another question from Gurjeev. How do we think about values as they relate to spirituality, whether you're a religious person or you're maybe necessarily not part of an organization, but um, how do those intersect? Because I think some religions obviously will be handing down a set of values and again, there might be a lot of them, but what's this intersection between them and what happens if there's friction or conflict? I have to say, I'm really impressed by the number of questions that are coming up. It shows that this is a really, you know, um, a topic that has grabbed people, which is great. Um, and I love this spiritual question because I would ask you um, whether you think really, ask, do you really think spiritual texts will be saying something drastically different to one another? Because actually what I have found um, and I studied the religious, the spiritual texts actually quite deeply, um, that whether it's the 99 attributes of Prophet Muhammad, whether it's 
the values that are spoken through the city Guru Granth Sahib, whether it's the values that are upheld in not just the Ten Commandments, but in the stories of the Bible, whether it's the values that the Torah has laid out really explicitly, or the Vedas have spoken over millions and millions and millions of years, um, or the Buddhist, uh, the Buddhist texts and the, the nuanced interpretations of those values, they are so similar. They're really speaking about the exact same values that we touch upon in the book because I studied these spiritual texts before I wrote the book. And I found that, like I kind of, I don't know if I expressed it in this way, but I think humanity was almost a treasure troll trove, like a values vault. <laughs> like we have all of these inside of us. We really do. Um, and all we're doing at this point is just putting a spotlight or highlighting some above others. But ourselves. if you wanted ourselves, but if you mm. wanted, you could equally highlight some other ones. And highlighting something, if for one person to highlight one thing versus another person to highlight, like rarely are those values actually in conflict. Rarely are values in conflict. They can be, our interpretation can be. Like that story you mentioned of my mother and I. My mother and I both wanted what was best for me, but her interpretation and her kind of value set was different to mine. But it wasn't, but the reason I could understand her and respect it and even please it was because I knew that ultimately we wanted the same thing. Mm, but mm. the expression of it can be very, very, very different. And right. when the expression of it is too different that you can't necessarily walk the walk that the other person is asking you to walk, then it takes a conversation. It takes a courageous conversation with the other person to say, look, we're valuing exactly the same thing. We don't mm. need to argue about this. We don't need to um, think that this there's a big divergent, you know, chasm between us there isn't it's just mm. that the way i'm going to get about the same objective will be different but we will meet there because we're right. both by the same thing it's a little bit like how we spoke about children and raising children often the raising or the 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 way you want to go about it might be different to your partner but your partner is not really going to want anything different to you i.e they're going to want what's best for the child too mm. You say they're not in conflict in terms of the set of them, but internally we do get into situations where we have to make a decision and we have a number of values that may be in conflict. Um, let's take an example where you're taking a job and you value the product and the company that what they're doing, they're solving something, they're doing something really great that you love. They're paying you a lot of money and you do value freedom and that you measure that through some sort of wealth at the moment but the culture of the company is awful and the boss is awful and the uh, what they stand for internally is different from what they project themselves externally. So there you're in a, like a conflict of all sorts of situations. And is that where it's basically, well, at that point you are really either deciding how you rank your values or if you have decided then it makes those decisions easier. Yes. I would suggest that um, a company's culture almost are their values. Like we can't pretend that because the actual product, let's say is quote unquote good, that that means that everything's, you know, how the process or how they go about what they're doing, like values become behavior, behavior, behavior is what you see. So if you see behaviors and if you see a culture that really doesn't reflect your set of values, then that should ring alarm bells. I believe it's been an hour. Um, so two final <laughs> questions. What are, what are some of your top values right now? So one value that I never can seem to shake off, it doesn't matter what's happening in the world, whether we're in this pandemic or not, is the value of freedom. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really, Really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it's just in my nature. Um, How's that working out in a lockdown? <laughs> uh, like, I really have to work hard to feed it, or satisfy mm. it, or fulfil it. Um, 
So there is not a day when I don't go out. We're lucky mm. enough that we can go out to exercise. Um, and then how you exercise, I, I make sure that my exercise reflects the freedom, whether it means I run in, into nature or I cycle into nature or I have to feel the wind in my hair or I need to get lost for a bit mm-hmm. or, you know, I might even need to hitchhike. I don't know. I need to just feel that sense of uh, kind of adventure and freedom in some way. Mm. And so I just, I, it's really good to know uh, what it is that will fill your buckets because mm. then it doesn't matter whether you're in a lockdown or what situation you're in, you can kind of design a part of your day that will reflect that. And that's what's so important about this period that we're in. We have a lot more freedom in how we schedule our time, right? Mm, how we that's like true. Our, our day is our own. Um, even if we're working, we can still, you know, ma- be more malleable about our day. We're also more deliberate about who we speak to um, and who we reach out to. And so, again, this kind of the the values-based conversation is quite important. And also we're making really big decisions. Some of us are deciding, oh, I just don't need to live in the city anymore or in the countryside, or I don't need to live in this country anymore. Right. Live elsewhere. Or, you know, actually, I'm not going to even do this job anymore. I mean, people are making such huge decisions. Mm. And so this this values-based conversation is absolutely critical at this particular point, it's just mm. couldn't be more relevant. So true. Okay, last question. What is one thing each of us can do each day to keep connected uh, to our values, to check in, to express them, to make sure we align? What's one small way in which we can do that? So I would suggest that when you've been through that process and you have your top five and you've prioritized your top five, it's not, um, I, I, I mean this not flippantly, but you, if you write them down on a little card, like, you know, mm. kind of credit card size, you know, a little card that can slip into your back pocket um, or write it on a stone or whatever, whatever becomes your touchstone, whatever you're more likely to see or have it pop up on your, on your watch or something, you know, or have it come up on your phone regularly. That actually does help, but what's more important than just having it as a touchstone for yourself is to communicate it because then you're able to enroll others in what's important to you. So you spoke about fitness. Maybe the reason you're only spending a week and an hour in your week, uh, you know, towards fitness is because you haven't told people, you haven't told your family members, you haven't told your friends, this is super important to me. And then they can not just hold you accountable, but they can join you. One of them could say, yeah, me too. Let's do that six pack challenge for the next 30 days. Or let's do, you know, and you suddenly you're able to, you build a structure that enables those values to really live in your day. And so I suggest that after this podcast or after you've heard this, whatever has um, resonated with you, share those three things or however many things are, share those few Um, talking points with three people within 24 hours and you will find that then they're much more likely to make an impact than if you don't and it's the same with your values if you the more you share it the more alive it will be especially if you decided that they are one important to you and two that they're your aspirational values that perhaps you're not living by them yet but you really wish you were The more you share, the more alive. Thank you so much. That's a brilliant way to end this conversation. Thanks for joining us on Wiser Conversations, together at home. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and review it today. And if you haven't already, go on and push subscribe. See you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.